This is the Chapel of DBTS. Be sure to subscribe and listen to the Chapel messages weekly. And for more info, please go to dbts.edu. And now today's message. It is uh, a blessing to be able to be here. This is the first time I've ever been in this building. And I uh, pulled in and just walked through the downstairs and then came up here. And this is what a great place to uh, give yourself to train and continue to invest your life in God's Word. And uh, I have been uh, so thankful for our church to be able to partner with the seminary here and for our guys to be able to uh, further their training right there at their local church. And uh, so thank you and uh, looking forward to being able to be with you today and to pray with you and jump into God's Word. Uh, Inner City has a special uh, place in my heart. It was uh, now almost 19 years ago I came up for a wedding here, and uh, in fact, I drove up to the wedding with a girl I was kind of interested in, and uh, and so we were both in the wedding, and uh, ended up uh, it was Dan Wimberg's wedding, uh, of course Ben uh, Russell's uh, sister, and uh, at that wedding, uh, things kind of uh, sparked between me and this young lady, and ended up uh, a few months later I asked her to marry me, and uh, so. This was the place where all that kind of started. And uh, so also a little connection with Detroit. The church that I serve at, some of you who have been here for a while, uh, would be familiar with uh, a gentleman by the name of Darren Crisp. Darren uh, was a pastor at our church who uh, served for a number of years, particularly with our youth department. And then right before I got there, I knew Darren from years before that, but right before I got there to the church, the Lord took Darren home, and uh, he had done his training here and had a deep impact in the lives of the people there at Lebanon, and I'm still able to uh, see the fruit of his labor and the lives of so many people. So thank the Lord for this particular place. Uh, this morning, I invite you to turn your Bibles to uh, the book of John. Uh, John uh, 14 uh, is kind of the, our starting point. Those of those of you who know me, or uh, if you get to know me, you'll find out very quickly that I am not necessarily a tool guy. Uh, I am not a very good uh, one who works with their hands. When I have uh, projects and difficulties at home, uh, I don't have lots of tools to work with. A lot of my tools have to fit in this one little bag. And so when I need tools, uh, I often have to borrow them or call people up and say, hey, do you have this or do you have this? And uh, I joke that my best tool that I have is my iPhone. I pull it out and I call somebody and say, hey, what do I need to do about this? Uh, I am not a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to home projects. Unfortunately, in the spiritual realm, uh, I often do the opposite. I become someone who very much is a do-it-yourselfer. When I run into a difficulty or a project in ministry, I try to do it myself and try to accomplish it in the arm of the flesh. And the result so often is frustration. Uh, when I preach through the section that we're going to look at today in the Gospel of John, I was uh, reminded anew that I have an incredible tool at my disposal when it comes to my ministry. 
It's not a piece of technology that Apple has developed. It's, in fact, a tool that Jesus told his disciples about in his upper room discourse. Their greatest tool to get things done was not a direct line to other humans, but it was a direct line to God Almighty. And uh, as you and I navigate ministry now and look at the prospect of navigating ministry in the future, you are going to have enormous challenges in your home. You're going to have challenges in your ministry. Your people are going to have great challenges. And we can't handle them on our own. It's impossible. And we are going to be need, we're going to need to be people that understand the enormous power and tool that each of us have in prayer. Of course, the setting of the text that we'll look at this morning is Jesus is preparing his disciples for his absence. He's no longer going to be with them physically. And uh, he reminds them of the most important things that they're going to need. Uh, of course, you know, uh, 14 through 16 have the paraclete passages where he talks about the Holy Spirit who's going to come and help them and assist them. However, he also calls them repeatedly to prayer. In fact, when I preached through this, I just took little sections of 14 through 16, and then when I got done with 14 through 16, I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to go back and just do a a flyover of this whole section and just remind our people of the importance of prayer. And so this morning, I just want to call you guys on your day of prayer, call you to prayer. We all need help in this area. Uh, If you one day serve as a pastor, elder, it's going to be one of your main jobs. In fact, uh, we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so I confess to you as a pastor that this is an area that I often feel the keenest need to continue to develop. And so uh, this morning, let's look at what Jesus says about prayer. And so what I want to do is uh, there are three kind of main texts there within the upper room discourse in which he brings out prayer. Now, when, when God says something one time, you need to listen. But when he says something three times in the midst of just a short period of time, I think he's trying to get a point across. And so look at what it says in John chapter 14. And I'm going to begin reading in uh, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want you to switch over to chapter 15 for a second. Look what it says in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Go down to verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And then in chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day you will ask nothing, or ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. All right. 
three different times, three different chapters, he continually calls us to what? Pray. Ask. What we're going to see is in 14, 15, and 16, he calls you to pray. In 17, he prays himself, and he gives you an example. And later on this morning, I want to take some time to look at what he did in that particular prayer. What I'd like for us to do is I'd like to learn, I'd like to learn some truths and glean some things from these texts that we just looked at. And the first thing I want you to see is this, is that, uh, you know what, I think I laid off. There you go. Uh, first thing I want you to see is this. Jesus wants you to ask. He wants you to ask for what you need. I remember a number of years ago when I was living in Milwaukee, serving at Brookside Baptist Church. Uh, we were going to plan a mission trip for our college and career down to Chicago to help a church that had been planted there. Uh, and we needed, in order to like bring down the cost of the particular trip, we wanted to get some donations and get some... Uh, maybe some groceries that would help cover a lot of the food while we were down there. And there was a lady in our church who owned Ascendix, which is a supermarket there. And so I decided that I would give her a call and just to see if, and kind of ask her if she'd be willing to donate some money for this particular trip. And so I called and got her on the phone and I just started telling about the trip and all of this, what we're going to be doing and, you know, we're going to need some food and and as, as I'm talking to her, she's sensing, okay, I'm, he's going to ask me for something. She says, Brian, and she's kind of interrupting, what do you need? Uh, well, you know what, there's some, we're going to need some food and some groceries. I was wondering about possibly a gift card. How much do you need? Uh, uh, let me think, and I'm trying to think of, she says, maybe $200. All right, I'll give you $400. She says, Brian, if you need anything, just what? Just ask. She was very willing to give. I want you to notice in all these texts, every one of them, he just says what? Ask. He says here, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. It says, uh, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Sorry, I'm getting mixed up some of these uh, verses. Okay, next one. If you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So he says, ask again. And then in our last text, and in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say you, say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So all that is just a call for you to pray and ask him for whatever you need. Of course, Jesus knew when he's talking to his disciples during this upper room discourse that his departure was imminent. He wouldn't be at their sides. He wouldn't be able to care for their various needs. I mean, remember him on all of his time with his disciples. Whenever they needed anything, he was right there. When they needed wine, he made it. 
when they needed bread, he supplied it. In fact, when they needed to pay taxes, what did he do? He had the money in a fish's mouth. Whatever they needed, he was there. However, in just a few hours, he was not going to be there physically for them anymore. What would they need to do? Well, he tells them, okay, ask. Now, we may wonder, okay, who are we supposed to ask? Of course, a a quick explanation for all of you. Of course, we know God is one. And all through John, uh, you study that particular gospel. Uh, The Trinity is so much in focus. Uh, The Father and I are are working simultaneously. But who do we ask? Well, of course, most often those prayers are addressed to the Father. Of course, in other uh, books, as you look at the entirety of Scripture, you see there's instances in which prayers are addressed to Jesus. Although there are no prayers directly addressed to the Holy Spirit, it seems as if there's nothing to forbid that. But personally, of course, most often, what do we do? We go to the Father. Go to the Father, and we ask Him, what do we need? Our problem is not necessarily who we address in the Godhead. It's just that we don't pray. When we have problems and we have needs, we don't go to God for his help. We try to handle our problems on our own. Ye have not because ye what? Ye ask not. Of course, he says, be anxious for what? Nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, of course, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. And I'll remind all of you, as you navigate ministry and life, If you're going to do it properly, you're not going to be able to do it without consistently asking God for help. I need you, God, in this particular situation. His storehouses are full. Everything you need for the journey is is provided. Let's say you were taking a hike on the Appalachian Trail, and you were going to hike from Georgia to Maine. You were going to try to do that whole trip. You would have to have a lot of supplies along the way. You would have to get outfitted. Could you imagine if you had a relative that owned all the Dick's Sporting Goods, all the REIs? In fact, he owned supermarkets all the way through, right off the Appalachian Trail. And it was all at your disposal. But you never what? You never asked. Let me tell you, your God wants you to ask. Ask, ask, ask. How often did he say it? In John 14 through 16, he said it continually. So ask. So that's the first aspect. The second one is what are we to ask for? Well, Jesus wants you to ask whatever you wish. Now, let's just let those words sit on you for just a second. Let's go back to these passages. So I underlined what I'm uh, emphasizing in each of these passages. So Jesus says, and whatever... You ask in prayer, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask what? Anything in my name, I will do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you what? Desire. And it shall be done to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That what? Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And in, the la- in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. 
Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, what's gonna, you're probably going to notice this. I'm, I'm going to keep reviewing these verses under every point. Because I want them to sink into your life. What I believe Jesus is telling us is that he wants us to ask for whatever we have need of in our life. I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of needs and a lot of difficulties. And he knew these disciples were going to face difficulties at almost every corner. This text calls them and calls us to consistently take all of our needs to him. Tragically, our first tendency is to look to every other place for help. We look within. Okay, I can do this. I mean, no doubt... You guys have lots of projects, and sometimes you get to the end of yourself, and you say, and you look to yourself. Have you asked God for his help in these particular instances? As a mom and dad, some of you, when you need help in certain situations, go to him. Ask him whatever you need. Our tendency, we go to these other people to solve our problems. We go to ourselves. We go to we go back to mom and dad. Are they going to solve our problem? We go to a credit card to solve our problem. We think our friends, our self-help books are going to be our answer. This text tells us to just go to God with whatever we need. Our second tendency in this text is we often look at these statements and immediately seek to limit them. Uh, we older Christians immediately go to our systematics and go, oh, I know all of these things, and this, 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 and we need to do that. However, when Jesus gave these words, can you just let the weight of those statements sit on you for a few minutes? He said, whatever you need. Ask me. What's going on in your life? Ask whatever you wish. Talk to him. It was a... Now, almost 10 years ago, I was finishing uh, my MDiv while being a pastor, and uh, money was very short. We had two children at the time, and we had one car, a compact Honda Civic. And when we did any type of traveling with all that baby paraphernalia, it, it was like the Beverly Hillbillies. And we, we, at that point, we began to really need a second car with where I worked and what was going on. It was also around that time that my wife heard a message on praying specifically. And so she began to pray that God would give our family a new van. She said, I'm just going to talk to God and ask him to give us a new van. And she was challenged as well, pray specifically. And so she said, okay, God, I would like a van, but I'd really like a Honda Odyssey because our, uh, another one of our family members had had one. She had ridden in their car, and she's like, I'd like a Honda Odyssey, and, and she did. She prayed this. She prayed, I'd like a Honda Odyssey, and I'd really like as well leather interior <laughs> because with kids and all of this and a DVD player for when we travel and stuff. She took that to the Lord personally on her own and said, God, I don't, this is what I like. We need a new, another vehicle. and I'm just going to ask that you would give us a new van. 
It was on a Tuesday night. We got a phone call. And it was a conference call with three different families on. They said, hey, can we talk to you for a second? They said, sure. And said, can you get Jen on the line as well? And so I held the phone up, and we were both listening to it. And they said, if you would be willing, Brian, to make a $100 payment for the next five years, so add that up, $6,000. If you'd make a $100 payment for the next six years, we would like for you tomorrow to go to the Honda dealership and pick yourself out a new Honda Odyssey with leather interior and a DVD case. My wife, she just started, she just started to ball. I mean, she just was like, we, we, we didn't know what, uh, we were like sitting there like, and then of course, what was I doing? You don't need to do that. She says, yes, they do. <laughs> I've been praying for that. And what happened? God answered her prayers. I remember earlier this year, our family was praying for a piano. We needed a, we had a, we have an old piano that her, my wife's mother had, get, had, someone had purchased for her mother, very old, and my daughter had been progressing in her piano, and our teacher said, you've got to get a new piano if she's going to get any better in this particular way. And so we started praying for a new piano. God, you're going to have to provide either the funds or the piano. And it was one uh, Wednesday night, I walked back into my office, and someone had kind of snuck into my office, and there was an envelope with 20s in it. It was $1,000. Of course, it wouldn't pay for the piano, but it said this. Somehow we heard that you needed a piano, and here is $1,000 to put toward that piano. And my kids and I and our family had been praying for a piano. That night I got home, and I spread out the money on the counter. I said, kids, we've been praying that God would provide us a new piano. And here's part of what God has done. What do you need to do? You just need to ask. Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. Okay, what do you need help with? Is your marriage falling apart? Is there a marriage in your church falling apart? Is there a financial need? Is there a di- an addiction? Is there a difficult decision? Is it unsafe family members? Is it a house situation? Is it an illness? Is it a desire to have a child? Is it a passion to live a moral life? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to ask whatever we wish. God, I need help with this. You know what's going on in my life. Learn to talk to God on a consistent basis about your needs and ask him whatever you wish. However, that's not all. There's also a third theme in these verses. All right? And that's the next one. Here it is. Jesus wants you to ask in his what? In his name. Notice again. Here's the text. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in this sign. If you ask anything, what? In my name. I will do it. You did not choose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And then 16, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now what does that mean? This is not a formula that we religiously tack on to the end of our prayers that make it happen. 
It's not some open sesame. It's not when, like, our kid asks for a chocolate chip cookie, and we say, what do you say? And they say, please. Okay, now I'll give you the cookie. Okay. Prayer in Jesus' name is what? It's prayer that is with Jesus' authorization and consistent with his character. If it weren't for Jesus' work on the cross, none of us would have access to the Father. However, Jesus' work has authorized us to pray in his stead. We, are, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, estranged from God, but Jesus' work opened the gates for us to go directly to the Father. That is why if you haven't accepted Jesus as the way, you don't have the promise of God to answer your prayers. Of course, God is sovereign. He hears everything, but he's under no obligation to you. But in John 16, 23 and 24, Jesus tells them with his absence, they would no longer be able to ask anything of him, which in that ask, is a different Greek word underlying it, which was the asking for information. You're no longer going to be able to ask me for information. You know, so often they were asking him these questions. What about this? What about this? They would no longer need to ask him info because the cross answered all of it. He was going. They had a lot of questions about that. Also, they had up to that point not asked anything of the Father in Jesus' name. Now with Jesus' work accomplished, you and I can go directly to the Father through the merits of the Son. I remember when I was a uh, youth pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina, we had a guy in our church who was in charge of all the parking of the big events in Charlotte. Panther Stadium, uh, the ACC Tournament, uh, lots of the big events at the Charlotte Coliseum, also all the NASCAR events. His name was Jim Lane. And uh, Jim was a guy who said, hey, if you ever want to go to an event, just let me know. And even if you have tickets and you need good parking, because he was in charge of the parking, he says, I'll get you, I'll get you parked real good. So I, said, so I said, what do I need to do? He says, just mention my name. So I remember particularly at one particular event that I, it was a ACC tournament. Uh, pulled in uh, to where the Coliseum was and got to the first person who was doing the parking. And uh, they're taking the money. I said, uh, I'm here and I'm with Jim Lane. And they said, and they passed me by and then I came to another one. I'm with Jim Lane. I ended up, I think I parked where the players parked. Why? Because I had his authorization, and I knew it was within his character, because he was, he told me, whatever you need, and he parked me up there. Let me tell you, because of the work of Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. And he wants us to ask, what? Anything in his name. That's what he wants me to do. Praying in Jesus' name is also praying consistent with his character. Okay, there are certain things that we can ask for that we know that are not according to his character. I mean, imagine my kids coming to my wife, or imagine my kids coming to me on behalf of my wife and say, hey, Dad, uh, Mom said to give us a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts for each of us. I would be like, 
that is not in character with your mom. Okay. Your mom's character is one donut. So I will give you one. Just a reminder as well, when we pray, we should pray consistent with God's what? Character. And of course, First John, this is our systematic. We go to another text here. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Of course, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote the Epistles of John. Later on, he's also laying out some more information. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And as a reminder to all of you guys, there are certain things in Scripture that we know are God's will, that we can be confident when we ask and we will receive. That is why it's so important that all of us continue to develop a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures so that uh, we can go to Him and say, God, you've told me that I can ask you of this wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. But what he's telling us is just to ask. We can ask for wisdom. We can ask for strength. He commands us to love our wives. God, I need strength to do this and to demonstrate this. And so you've commanded me to do this, and this is your will for me in my life, so I'm asking for the divine enablement to do this. Now, there are certain times that we don't know what his moral will is in a certain situation. What do we do in those situations? When we don't know how a situation is going to get resolved, we don't know if this person is going to die or not, you know what we can do? We can ask for a deeper understanding. God, Help me to understand your word better in this particular situation. Talk to God. Give him reasons why, hey, this is, this is why I'm asking you to do this particular thing. But then what do we all need to do? We need to submit our will to his will. But we've got to go to him. We've got to talk to him about these particular things. And one additional thing I'll add here. All that being said, do all of our prayers have to end in in Jesus' name. One theologian said it certainly isn't wrong to end all of our prayers with that phrase. However, he said it's possibly a danger. It can simply become a formula, a vain repetition. Of course, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount used not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, it may be good at times to change that little phrase. Now, we're doing this on... We're all, all going to be praying, and we're all going to be thinking, okay, how do I end this prayer now? Uh, it would be good to maybe adjust it to, I come in the authority of Jesus Christ, or I pray based on the merits of Jesus Christ and not my own, or I come because of Jesus' work. But all that to say this, what happens when we pray in Jesus' name? The Bible says the Father is glorified. This is the way God designed it to happen. Uh, remember a number of years ago, they built a new highway in my hometown of uh, Greenville, South Carolina. It was called the Southern Connector. Any of you have been to Greenville? Southern Connector uh, kind of tried to connect those people who were trying to cut off having to go through Atlanta and get, especially if they were coming from Atlanta, kind of going toward Columbia. It was, uh, this road was close to my childhood home, 
and uh, when it was done, it was a beautiful road, but it was a toll road. Sadly, it didn't get used very much, and it probably reflected on the planners of it and the designers of it. It never got used. Was it really needed? Was it a waste of money? And since then, it's getting used a little bit more, but let me just remind you, similarly, when we don't use prayer, which God has paved the way for, not that God's glory is not, it can be in some ways diminished if we don't use it. What do we need to do? We need to be people that use this avenue in which God has made available to us. And when you and I pray in Jesus' name and ask what we wish, you know what that does? It glorifies the Father. Because that's the way he designed it all. And the final thing I want you to see is this. Uh, God, wa- uh, God wants to answer your prayers. And notice all the texts once again. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I what? That will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will what? I'll do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be what? Done for you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask in my name, uh, he, uh, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. You know what God desires to do? He desires to grant your request. Furthermore, when he does, I'll tell you this, there is great joy. There isn't much that is more joyful than when God answers a particular prayer. Remember now, it was a number of years ago, it was in my first ministry, I had gone to a retreat at the wilds in which Les Ola had been speaking. And during the retreat, he challenged us about how God can do all, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And of course, the challenge was, can I do all things through him? I said, what's the all things, he was challenging us, what's the all things in your life that you're, that you, the big challenges before you that through Christ, you can't do it on your own, but through Christ. And if you go into him and asking for his help, he can accomplish it through you. I said, well, what's that all things? And for me at that point, when I was a youth pastor in Charlotte, was can God really convert the lost souls of young people in this particular town? Can God do this? And I knew he could. So I said, I need to ask him to do it. And so I came home that particular from that particular session. And I said, okay, God, what am I going to ask you to do when it comes to seeing God save many of these young people in Charlotte? Came up with an idea. I said, you know what? I am going to choose nine public schools in this area that are around Bible Baptist Church, and and I'm going to ask God with our youth group that he would help us to see converted a young person from every one of these schools this next year. Is that a pretty bold thing? I, it was bold. I said, God, you can do this. So I'm going to ask 
that you would, with your divine hand, help our church see someone converted from all nine of these public schools. And so we listed them. There were four high schools and five middle schools. And that September, as I presented it to our teenagers and said, we're going to pray, can God do this? They're all like, yes, he can. We're going to pray for this, and we're going to work for it. We're going to tell people about Jesus. And many of you guys go to these particular schools. Let's start praying. That was September. By March. By March. Just seven months later, of all our kids praying, of those nine, we had seen a kid come to Christ from eight of them. And we were doing a special event at our church, at Cola War. And at this particular event, it was like the last night, there was one more middle school that hadn't seen any kids saved yet from. It was the last one of our nine. Two girls from Mint Hill Middle School showed up at the event that night. And I'm telling you, it was kind of electric in our youth group. Everyone was like, they're from Mint Hill Middle School. We've been praying for Mid Hill Middle School. That night, at the end of the night, uh, they had come with one of our youth sponsors. Following the message, they wanted to talk to that youth sponsor. And they went into another room. And all of my youth group, I can still remember, they said, Those two girls, they're talking to the sponsor right now. And they're praying. They're in the hallways, and when those two girls came out, the sponsor said, you know what, they have just accepted Christ. I'll tell you this, you could have lit a fire in our youth group. God had answered that prayer, and we had seen all nine of those schools someone converted from. At the end of that year, okay, not only had we seen kids saved from nine public schools that we had picked, there were four more, plus four other elementary schools. You know, sometimes as a youth group, when you're having certain events and you're reaching, you get some kids who are in middle school or in sixth grade, and, and some of them who show up who are in fifth grade, they would come to some of our stuff, and we had four elementary schools that were also reached. Let me remind you, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or what? Think. All that to say this. As you and I look at the prospects of ministry and as these disciples looked at prospects of ministry without Jesus' physical presence, what did he tell them to do? He tells them to pray. And he tells them to ask whatever they wish in his name. And what does he say he'll do? I will do it. You know, we are such weak prayers. We don't, we don't ask. I'll tell you, he's ready to give. And his storehouses are open. So ask that you may what? Receive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to be able to have a direct access to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, you know, and we confess to you that we are those who are weak in faith. But Father, I ask that you would take this text these texts of scripture and father would you bring them into our memory and would you allow them to transform our thinking
that we would not be do-it-yourselfers when it comes to ministry in our life, but that we may be people that are constantly barraging you with our requests. And Father, may you allow your... Would you allow your Son to be glorified? Would you be glorified in the continued prayers of this group of men here at this seminary? Help us to give ourselves to prayer today. Father, we do come through the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the DBTS Chapel Hour. DBTS is a ministry of Intercity Baptist Church. To find out more about Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, please go to dbts.edu.